Welcome to Built to Go, a van life podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Wagg, coming to you from the College of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to this episode 12. This time we're going to talk about ways to find free camping. And we'll talk about a 12-volt microwave oven. Yes, one actually exists. And we'll take a trip down the Enchanted Highway, which is a very strange place to visit. We'll also review CarPlay. So let's get going. So I'm actually in Madison, Wisconsin right now. I'm up here for the entire week, living in the van and uh, experiencing life in the cold in the van. And tonight, actually, it's scheduled to go down as low as negative nine Fahrenheit. So I'm sure next time I'm going to have a story about what it's like staying in the van under such conditions. Uh, and you may, this episode will sound different because I'm not recording it on the same equipment. I'm actually just recording this on my iPhone with a lavalier mic. So you might hear sounds like planes flying by and, and what, whatever. I'm, I'm in a mall parking lot of all places. However, I thought, hey, let's be authentic. Why not record the podcast in the van? So one of the biggest benefits of having a camper van is free camping. Where do you find this free camping? Now, folks out west have it easy. I mean, there's there's lots of free camping. And, uh, and by out west, I mean out west until you get to California. Things get a little bit more difficult there. But if you're in Utah or Colorado or Arizona, New Mexico, any of the four corner states, there's an awful lot of free camping on the on what is called BLM land. And no, that is not Black Lives Matter. That is Bureau of Land Management. And this is land that's owned by the federal government that can be used for up to two weeks by anyone who wishes to camp on it. It's a very good deal. Now, folks from the Northeast might not have any clue what I'm talking about because there is very, very little BLM land in the Northeast. But in the West, there is vast amounts. If you, uh, if you actually look at a map of Utah and compare privately owned land to federally owned land, uh, there's more federally owned land, I believe. I haven't actually looked it up. And because I'm in the van, I'm not going to. Aside from BLM land, where are some other places that you can park for free? Well, it turns out there are a lot of different resources, and I'm going to go over a few of them here with you. Uh, one place you can do almost anywhere, um, this is more for urban areas, is uh, what's called the park and ride. In a lot of places where there's traffic congestion, they have parking lots that are designed for people to park in and then catch a bus or a train, hence park and ride. And usually they have very liberal parking policies. You can almost always stay 24 hours. In some places it's 48 hours. It's basically just a place to park. That's it. There's not going to be any resources there. You're not going to have bathrooms or anything unless you happen to be able to walk to a store or something like that. But that's not guaranteed. So park and rides. Look for those. Those can be a great option. I have found, though, that in many cases they fill up and then they're not so good. And believe it or not, many little towns in the Midwest and in other parts of the country have free campsites. They're actually free campgrounds. So I will talk about one that uh, exemplifies this in my opinion, and that is in Aurora, Nebraska. Yes, I know, another Aurora. Aurora, Nebraska has a campground that has about 20 to 30 spots, depending on how people park, with electricity, uh, it's 15 amp, uh, there might be some 30 amp there, but it's at least 15 amp, which is enough to power a fan. 
and water at every site. There's also a, a bathroom with a flush toilet and a sink that you can use. And it's in a nice part of town. There's lots of places to walk around there. There's a little bit of a trail. And they do this simply to get you to come visit their town, which I really like. Aurora, Nebraska, I think, is a wonderful town. It turns out there are many places like that. And some of them have a nominal fee, like 10 to $20, or others, like Aurora, Nebraska, operate on a kind of a donation system. There's a, there's a little box you can put money in. So that's my favorite, favorite option. But those are kind of rare. If you have a van or you're interested in van life, you've heard about parking at Walmarts. Yes, there's a lot of Walmarts that let you park. You can't just go to any Walmart. Um, sometimes Walmarts don't let people park there because they've had problems in the past. For example, if there's a Walmart next to a very popular feature that people wish to visit, they typically won't allow parking because their parking lot gets taken up by all these vehicles. Uh, also, say in Chicago, none of the Walmarts allow parking. And in some cases, there are city ordinances that prevent Walmart from allowing parking there. So you have to check. Now, how do you check? Well, we'll talk about that at the end of this list here. But one way you can check is to call and say, hey, would you mind if I park there overnight? I have mixed feelings about calling, uh, which I've discussed before. I feel like if you ask permission, you're kind of pushing the responsibility for your parking on somebody else and that can cause problems but hey if you get permission you know you're fine cracker barrel is another place that allows parking and generally the idea is is that you will either eat dinner or eat breakfast at cracker barrel they don't require that but it kind of seems like you should and then you can park behind the building overnight you're not going to have any services during the night and there have been reports that at about 4 a.m it's not uncommon for vehicles to start coming in like trash trucks and delivery trucks but in some cases the Cracker Barrels actually have RV sites set up kind of in the trees, and it can be a very nice place to stay. And the nice thing about Cracker Barrel is that they're everywhere. A lot of Cabela's uh, or Bass Pro shops, they, Cabela's bought Bass Pro, and so they're kind of the same store now, um, have actually RV parking spots. Uh, in fact, I think I'll be at one in Madison tonight. They have RV sites. And what's nice about Cabela's is that you've got the camping store there. So if you needed any supplies or whatever, you'd have them there. And Cabela's, the larger ones anyway, do have restaurants and bathrooms. Now, they're not open 24 hours. But you can use it as kind of a center. And I found in the Northeast, where it is difficult to find places to park, Cabela's was, was a hugely important part of my journeys there, especially in Maine so in uh, Massachusetts. So check that out. Some camping worlds have uh, good parking. Now, Camping World has a mixed reputation. I'm not even going to get into that. But I do thank them for allowing people to park in their lots. Uh, one of them in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, <clears throat> Camping World in Tulsa, Oklahoma actually lets you plug in. They have a big lot with streetlights, and there are electrical outlets in the streetlights, and you're allowed to plug into those and power your van uh, while you spend the night. Excellent. And then in the morning, you can go into Camping World and buy whatever you needed. Another popular option is casinos, and this varies greatly. Some casinos just ask that you actually go in and gamble, and then you can spend the night. Others charge a fee. You have to check, but even in Vegas, some casinos have campgrounds. Casinos are all over the country now, though, so that's definitely something to look into. And casinos are all open 24 hours, so even if you weren't 
kind of camping there with permission, how would they know you weren't inside gambling? You know, that's a great option for some stealth camping. If you happen to be a vet, or you're, you were in the military or, you're, or you are in the military, a lot of military bases have camping just for military members, which I one of the reasons I wish that I was a vet, because that would be great. There are military bases all over the country, and they actually have pretty nice places to stay. Plus, they have a PX or a BX, depending on which one you're at, that allows you to get all that cheap stuff that you used to be able to buy when you were active. So that's pretty cool. Now, I've given you a list of a whole bunch of different places, but I haven't actually told you how to find them. And for that, I recommend you use apps. There are a lot of apps right now for finding campgrounds. And I'm going to go through a few of them and tell you their pros and cons. So the first on my list is called All Stays. That's one word, All Stays. It's a highly rated app and has beautiful maps and they're hybrid. So you can see the street and then you can also have the satellite view overlay so you can see how many trees there are or if it's hilly or whatever. But they ask for a lot of money. You have to pay for the app. And then if you want to like see all the Walmarts, that costs more. Or if you want to see places that have dump stations, that costs more. Or if you just want rest stops or Walmarts, that's more. And I find that it's kind of a buyer's market with these apps today. So even though Allstays makes a good product, I'm not sure it's the way to go. Another one I like is iOverlander. So that's the letter I, Overlander. And iOverlander seems to... Um, they crowdsource their reviews like all of these do it's people write reviews of these spots and ask and they ask you to like find a spot and put it in their database and iOverlander has some really great spots uh, and it's a free apps too so i always have a copy of iOverlander with me but it does have a couple of problems um it's kind of out of date the app is a little bit old-fashioned and in fact on um, my iphone the list is like black on black and I can't even really read it. So I hope they update it soon. And it's, it's missing some obvious places. Like here in Madison, there's a Cracker Barrel, two Walmarts and a Cabela's that I know you can park at. iOverlander doesn't show them for some reason. So that's kind of a mystery. A very popular app in the UK is called Park for Night. So it's park, the letter four, and the word night. It's a beautiful app. I, I really like it. Unfortunately, the content in the U.S. is very, very sparse. It's another crowdsourced app. And unfortunately, most of the crowd is in the U.K. So if you're in the U.K., definitely get Park for Night or actually anywhere in Europe. But in the U.S., I'm afraid it just isn't there yet. And I, I kind of wish they would like merge with iOverlander or something and, and share their database. I think that would be a great service. There's a, an oldie but a goodie called Campendium. So that's Camp and Eum, Campendium. And it's a very professional app with lots of different sites of different types. So you will have uh, free parking sites, you'll have paid campgrounds, points of interest, places to buy propane, dump sites, places to get water, basically anything you might need if you're on a long-term trip in your vehicle. So I really like it. My only issue with it is that it has this annoying login requirement and it's not free. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Recently, I discovered this app called RV Parky. So RV Park, the letter Y, RV Parky. 
I have to say I hate the name, but the content is really good. Um, if, if you look at the reviews in there, there's tons of them. This seems to be an excellent, um, they have an excellent participation in their crowd. So they have lots and lots of stuff in there. And the interface is great. It does trip planning. So you can say, hey, I'm going to drive from Nevada to Georgia and it will line out your route and then show you all the places you can stay along the way, which is a great feature. So RV Parky is is among my favorites. Uh, recently, I discovered another one called Wiki Camps. So, we, well, it's actually pronounced Wiki. Did you know that? It's Wikipedia, but that sounds silly. So I'm still going to say Wikipedia. And in this case, it's Wiki Camps. It's $1.99. You have to pay for it. And there's a different app for each country. So there's like the US and Australia and New Zealand and some other countries. What's nice is that you can download the maps you need and then you don't need the internet to access the data. And you can just choose which states you need. You don't have to download the whole country so it'll save space. But as nice as this app is, it doesn't include Walmart, Cracker Barrel or rest areas. Again, it seems like the nicest apps don't have the best content and that's really what it's all about. Okay, let's say you didn't buy an app, you don't have an app, you need a place to stay and all you have is internet access and you can't get your app store to work or whatever. There's hope for you and it's actually good hope. There's a website called freecampsites.net. freecampsites.net you don't need an app. I do think they have an Android app, but again, you don't need it. You do have to be on the internet and it doesn't have the biggest, that's not true. It, it does have, it has a big selection of places. It's not perfectly complete, but I know many people just use this one app as having almost everything they need. Unfortunately, the people who run this, not app, I'm sorry, people who run this site have decided that they don't really want to include Walmarts and Cracker Barrels and places like that. They're looking more for the free campgrounds that maybe a city park would have, which is great. But really, sometimes you just need a place to park and you'd really like to know where that free Walmart is. So I'll have links in the show notes to um, at least the names of these apps. I mean, links to apps never made sense to me because heck, you can just search for it yourself. But um, there is a wealth of stuff out there for finding free places to park and these apps will definitely help you out tech talk someone has invented a 12 volt microwave now people have had microwave ovens and campers and rvs forever and they typically would have worked on an inverter so your batteries would go to an inverter, that inverter would pump out 110 volts and you'd plug your microwave into that and hey, it works just fine. It uses a heck of a lot of power though. And inverters, every time you use your inverter, you're losing uh, some percentage of your efficiency, usually at least 20%. So using a microwave on an inverter is a good way to kill your batteries quick. But somebody, a company in Power Hunt, has invented a 12 volt microwave. That means you can use it without an inverter. Now it's only 660 watts. Most microwaves are at least a thousand watts. So if you cook something in this thing, it may take twice as long to cook, but it's only drawing 55 amps. Now you could, some, 55 amps is a heck of a lot, but compared to a normal microwave, it's, it's much less. So it's actually a better solution for your van. 
Inside, they have a special coating that makes it so they don't need a turntable. So it's just, it looks kind of like a toaster oven. The door folds towards you, and then you can put your food in and close it. And it is enough to cook popcorn, which to me is kind of like the highest calling of a microwave oven. Also, they only cost 299 bucks. Now, the way this thing works that makes this possible, because you couldn't plug something like this into a cigarette lighter, it would blow the fuse instantly. 55 amps, you don't have any 55 amp fuses in your normally accessible places in your van. Um, they have a special plug that comes with it that wires directly to your battery. So you wire this unit to your battery. It actually doesn't come with it. You have to buy it. I'm sorry. There's an extra fee for that. And then you plug your microwave into this unit. And what's good about that is it gives you high, very thick, high-quality um, high wires that go straight to your battery, making it safe and the highest possible power. Um, I haven't seen a lot of reviews of it, but I've seen videos of it being demonstrated, and I'll have a link in the show notes. And it looks like it actually works. Um, it has a handle on the top so you can carry it around, which may or may not be good. But hey, if you are desperate to have a microwave and you want something that's going to be a little bit kinder to your batteries, this Power Hunt 12 volt microwave just might be the ticket. If not, I want to present to you another option for a microwave in your van. Panasonic has a new type of microwave out that is called, and I hate that it's called this, it's called an inverter, inverter microwave. Now, this is going to get confusing, so I'm going to try my best to make this as simple as possible. But have you ever noticed that when you use your microwave at home and it, it's on a setting other than high, it kind of cycles on and off? It'll go, you can hear the fan running the whole time, but there's like this buzz that comes and goes. That's because home microwaves typically can only run at full power. So if you set it at 50 instead of 100, what it's doing is running half the time. And the turntable helps equalize that heat. That's kind of how microwaves work. Panasonic has one now that they call an inverter microwave that will actually lower the wattage of the microwave. So instead of running half the time, it'll run at half the power. And this turns out to be a lot more efficient. Now, you would still need to use it with, yes, an inverter in your van because they're 120 volts, but it would be much more efficient than the traditional styles of microwave. And when you compare it to the power hunt that I just talked about, they're only 140 bucks for the small one. So if I were going to buy a microwave for my van, and I'm not, I would probably go with a Panasonic, uh, a Panasonic inverter microwave. Now, Panasonic apparently has a patent on this technology, and they're the only brand that has it right now. But 140 bucks doesn't seem like too much to me. Tales from the road. So when I turned 50 a few years ago, um, I realized that I'd only been to 48 states. And I was having a conversation with my wife and she said, don't you think you should have visited all 50 states by the time you turned 50? And I thought, yeah, that's a good life goal. As it happened, the only two states I hadn't visited were the Dakotas. And from Chicago, they're not that far away. So I literally just got in the car. I had a car then, it was actually a smart car, and drove to the Dakotas. 
I drove first to North Dakota and then finally to South Dakota and that was the completion of my 50 states. But when I was planning the route, I did something interesting and that's the tale that I'm going to share with you. I first drove to Fargo, um, which is a cute little town and yes, they have a wood chipper on display in case you wanted to relive the movie that was not based on a true story. And from there you can go west and drive through the prairie and plains of North Dakota and uh, Bonanzaville's there, which is a, an interesting place to visit. But if you go west enough and then make a sudden turn left, you will find a place called Enchanted Highway. So Enchanted Highway is about at exit 72 on I-94 near the town of Gladstone. And it's 32 miles long. There was this man by the name of Gary Greff who grew up in Regent, North Dakota and absolutely loved it. But he could see that the town was dying. North Dakota and South Dakota too, I believe, have been losing population. Um, they're actually emptying out and there's a lot of these little towns that are just kind of dying. But Gary Greff wanted to keep his town alive. So he built these massive sculptures out of scrap metal. And instead of having them all in one place, he placed them all along this road and it's called the Enchanted Highway. Now, right at I-94 at exit 72, you'll see this giant, and I mean giant, hundreds of feet tall, or long rather, it's probably 75 feet tall, but it's probably a couple hundred feet long, called Geese in Flight. And it is a sculpture of geese flying. This isn't necessarily high art. I mean, Gary Greff is certainly an artist and he's a heck of a lot better sculptor than I will ever be. But this definitely is in the realm of folk art. Each one of these places, except for the geese, as it turns out, has a parking area and you can park your car there and take a picture. And I was in my smart car and it was just cute. I had a picture of my smart car in front of all these sculptures. And there's some of them are very strange. Uh, one, one of them is the world's largest tin family, which is kind of just like a family made out of tin. And they're 75 feet tall. Um, Teddy Roosevelt riding a horse. A giant pheasant. Um, grasshoppers. Deer. And one called Fisherman's Dream, which is a, a, a man fishing and the fish are just desperately eager to get on his hook. All of this leads you to the town of Regent. And so as I was going down, and I was thrilled with this, I thought it was fun and silly, and I got some great pictures, and then I pulled into Regent, and poor Gary, uh, I'm afraid, was unsuccessful. Regent, South Dakota is really just about dead. There were only two things of note in town that were open. One was Gary's gift shop where if you go in, you can buy postcards of these sculptures and candles and t-shirts and the typical kind of stuff. And the other was this weird, I, it's a steakhouse in a castle. It's the only way I can describe it. And I thought, well, I'm here. I might as well experience this. And so after visiting the gift shop, I drove to the castle. And so far as I could tell, I was the only vehicle moving in town. 
and I get to the castle and there's um, a fountain running and you know there's some signs of life but no people and I go in the front door and there's nobody it's about five o'clock at night so it's a time when I would think that a restaurant would start letting people in no people no host I have no idea what was going on but at that point I was spooked enough that I decided no thank you and I got in the car and drove away so if you are uh, interested in having an enchanted experience on the highway and I really wonder what this place would be like in the snow take a trip to southwestern North Dakota and uh, get off at exit 72 and drive 32 miles south and you will see some Americana some of the stuff that makes roadside art what it is and you know it's this is kind of an American phenomenon other countries have stuff like this but nobody does it like us and heck it's uh, it's kind of a little bit of a pilgrimage I think okay time for a product review uh, we all live in the land of smartphones. Everyone's got a smartphone and the temptation to use the smartphone while you're driving is so great that we're killing thousands of people a year doing it. It's a bad idea, but we can still sate our desires to be connected by using either Android Auto or CarPlay. If your car uh, supports CarPlay, it is as easy as plugging your iPhone into the car and basically a bunch of features from your iPhone will appear on your screen of your radio and you can control them. Android Auto works the same way. I happen to have CarPlay so that's what I'm going to review. Now CarPlay has been around for years and while I've always liked it, I've never loved it because Apple is very conservative. There's stuff they let you do and there's stuff they won't let you do. For example, for many years the only GPS available was Apple Maps, which for years has been a terrible app. Uh, you couldn't use Waze, you couldn't use Google Maps, um, you were just stuck using Apple Maps, which was annoying. I mean, I loved Waze, I wanted to use Waze. Also, your Apple phone, your iPhone screen would mirror whatever was on CarPlay. So. If you were stopped at a stoplight and you wanted to look, to look at a text message, you'd have to bring up the text messages on your CarPlay as well as on your phone, thus removing the screen that had your map on it, which I think is annoying. And that was like that for years, and I thought, well, Apple just isn't gonna do anything with this product. Then came iOS 13, and suddenly Apple is super interested in CarPlay, and it does all kinds of stuff now. You can use Waze, you can use Google Maps, you can have something different on your phone than you can have on your radio screen. It is great. You control almost all the stuff with Siri. You say, hey Siri, navigate here, or hey Siri, tell me where there's a Walmart that kind of a thing and it will give you a response and you basically don't have to touch the screen for much. I find it super valuable such to the extent that if I ever rent a car I almost always try to get one with CarPlay because I really don't want to be without it. Now it's not perfect. Apple is still a bit conservative. There are things it won't let you do while you're driving. Um, so silly things in some cases. For example, you can't turn off Bluetooth while you're driving. There are times when I want to turn off Bluetooth and it will simply say, I'm sorry, I can't do that while I'm driving. 
like why not what difference does it make i mean i can press buttons and do it shouldn't i be able to do it by voice it doesn't make any sense to me also it won't let you search the internet for anything while you're driving by voice it lets you do it if you tap on the screen this seems so backwards to me uh, i can normally say hey siri google mcdonald's or hey siri google who won the world series in 1927 i can say that in the car it'll say i'm sorry i can't do that while you're in the car but i can tap it on the screen i don't know what they're thinking there so if you have an iphone i'm gonna heartily recommend carplay such that it is worth replacing your stereo in your van with one that supports carplay i have the pioneer unit uh, an old one um it's, it was called app radio it came out in 2014 i think so it's six years old at this point um, it works okay but i do recommend one thing if you get one make sure it has a volume knob most of them don't have any knobs and trying to turn down the volume quickly with the buttons is very very annoying and there's no mute button you have to press down volume and then mute on the screen and i don't know i just find it annoying anyway that's carplay apple is really devoted to it now it's free it works on basically any of the more modern iphones from the iphone 6 and up although i found the performance from the iphone 11 to be far superior to the performance from my 7 plus and as far as android auto is concerned i haven't tried it but i assume it's similar that's an assumption Okay, I've got a place to visit for you. Um, Estes Park, Colorado, you've probably heard of. It is one of the greatest uh, Rocky Mountain places to visit. It's basically the starting or ending point for anybody driving over the Rockies in Colorado. Uh, it's right next to Rocky Mountain National Park. It has a great history. It's very touristy, very crowded in the summer. In fact, it's so crowded that they just built a parking garage on the outskirts of town, and they really want you to park there and then take a free shuttle into town, which I think is totally doable. Um, it's home of the Stanley Hotel, which is where Stephen King stayed, and it inspired him to write The Shining. In fact, his version of the movie was filmed there, um, but the hotel from the movie that everybody knows is actually the the, the uh, timberline lodge in oregon so it's not that place the stanley is its own special place that uh, is well worth a visit i love the stanley but that's not what i'm telling you about i've been to estes park a few times uh, but most recently was this summer when uh, the organization i work for team rubicon had a national conference there and the conference wasn't at a hotel it was at the YMCA. Now, as an organization that's a volunteer organization and uh, we're normally involved with disasters, I am used to the YMCA giving us space to sleep, like on their floor, letting us use the showers. And, you know, sometimes the Red Cross will come in and give us cots. I'm used to that. That's fine. That's what I signed up for. But when I got to YMCA of the Rockies, I was completely blown away by what I saw. Forget YMCA. Remove those letters from everything I'm about to tell you because they don't make any sense in this context. This place 
is this massive complex of lodges 8,000 feet up in the Rocky Mountains with amazing vistas and views with elk and deer running around and it's just I don't know it's beautiful it's amazing I cannot believe it is a YMCA I looked up its history and it turns out that the YMCA corporation or organization bought the land way way back like a hundred years ago as kind of their, their central headquarters and as Estes Park grew so did this I guess you'd call it a camp but it's so much more than that I mean it's these really there's different places you can stay there there's really nice hotel rooms there's more rustic lodges there's tons of meeting space they have uh all kinds of different activities there the big gymnasium uh and there's something there's hundreds and hundreds of rooms there i mean we showed up with 500 people and that didn't really put a dent in the place uh there were easily that many people that were there that weren't us it's a massive dining hall a few restaurants and it's only about 10 minutes from downtown estes park so if you're looking for a place to stay in Estes Park and you want to also stay in the Rockies, definitely check out YMCA of the Rockies. You don't need to be a member of the YMCA. You can just book it like a normal hotel room. And really, it is fabulous. It's, it's so much more than the name would lead you to believe. Well, folks, that's it for episode 12, the very first episode I've actually recorded in the van. I don't actually know how it sounded because I haven't edited yet, but thank you very much for giving me a shot here. Next time, I'm going to talk about my experience staying in the van during such cold temperatures. I haven't actually done it yet. I'm going to do that tonight, but I will tell the story and see if I survive. If you're hearing this, I did survive. Music was by Sir Mouge aka Simon Wagg. Thank you very much. Have yourself a fantastic week.